Welcome to episode 151 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. About three weeks ago, I did a portrait shoot for a client, uh, but it was a portrait shoot with a difference. I was to shoot the client's pets, namely uh, two small dogs and two ferrets. Today, we're going to take a look at some of the images from the shoot, as well as discuss some of the tricks that Uh, we use to keep the pets in the frame and I will also go into some detail about the portable studio that I used for the job. This will include a bit of information about the lighting setup and I've created a simple diagram to show my lighting which I'll add to a forum post that uh, will be to accompany the podcast. There'll be a link to the post in the show notes if you want to take a look. So this was an interesting shoot for me as it was my first time shooting pets. I've done some client work um, with uh, where I've been shooting portraits but never pets. It's also the first time that I've spoken about this sort of stuff here on the podcast so I'll try to go into some detail about my gear and lighting. To set the stage let's bring up the first photo for today which is image number 1858. This is one of the dogs, obviously, as it looks nothing like a ferret. And this was actually taken just as we got the background in place. Uh, But before I'd really got the lights set up, I'd taken my wife as uh, an assistant and literally just set the background up. And the white dog of the two just came right on in and made herself at home on the muslin sheet. I wanted to show this first for a few reasons. Firstly... This is the only shot from the shoot made with natural light. The client's living room was small, pretty standard for a Japanese apartment, but had a large window to my left while shooting this. We can see that in you know, in the uh, catch light in the, the dog's eyes, we can see the reflection of the window. The point that I want to make here, though, is that Uh, This shot was uh, made with an exposure of 1 30th of a second at f4 with an ISO of 800. So you can understand from this that, uh, you know, 30th of a second was not going to be fast enough to handhold successfully for many shots. And ISO 800 is going to be too high for this kind of work too. So, you know, it was obvious that I was going to need some extra lighting. I also just wanted to wanted you to see the color of the background here and um, that I cho- I'd chosen for the shoot. I have two backgrounds, both from Lasterlight. They are machine washable muslin backgrounds, uh, 10 feet wide and tw- 24 feet long. Of course, in this small living room, I was not going to use anywhere near that size, but my background support system uh, by Impact can be adjusted from 6 feet wide to 12 feet wide in three stages. And there, uh, here I was using uh, just two of the four poles between the stands. So we're talking the minimum width for the stand, which is 6 feet. This is, this is going to be all that I um, could use, all that I could set up in this, uh, in this living room. Uh, I would have preferred a little bit wider, but it, you know, it would be enough for the shoot, as long as I was careful not to include the sides of the background. 
This colour is called Wyoming, by the way, and my other background is called, uh, it's a light beige colour, and that one's called Dakota. I took both with me, but the colour of the dogs and ferrets um, kind of made it, uh, this the better choice in my opinion. Uh, the blue-grey background would have set, would help to set off the colour of the pets, as opposed to being very similar to um, you know, to, to most of them, where really there's just one black and grey dog that we'll see later that would have stood out, and the other three pets would have been a similar colour in on the most part to the uh, the Dakota background. So I decided to go with Wyoming. To expand on the equipment explanation, I also have two Photoflex weight bags that you can fill with sand or water, and I generally use water. Uh, so that I can basically take them along empty and they're very light then, of, of course. And then if necessary, I can fill them with water at the client's place and then empty them before leaving, um, keeping the kit as light as possible. But, you know, obviously, um, well, maybe not so obvious, but on this day with with the the pets being relatively small and not much chance of the whole thing, the whole setup toppling over, I didn't need to use them. In the next image, 1860, we can see see the other dog. And if you look closely, you'll see that we have two light sources in the catch lights in her eyes now. From the EXIF data of the image, if you're viewing this in my online gallery at martinbaileyphotography.com, you'll, uh, you'll be able to see that I'm now shooting at ISO 200 for 125th of a second, with an aperture of f5.6. This is because I now set up my lighting, so let's talk a little bit about that. I use my old Canon Speedlight 558, uh, 550EX, sorry, uh, and the new uh, 580EX2 mounted on tripods with Photoflex convertible umbrellas. Um, and convertible basically means that they have a black cover on the outside of the dome of the umbrella, which can be removed to reveal just the white underside. With the black cover on, the umbrella will behave as a reflector, and um, you know it'll if you bounce your flash into the umbrella, some of the soft light will be um, sort of diffused and reflected back out towards your subject, and. The umbrella that I use like this is a 60-inch one, a pretty big umbrella, and that gives me a large, soft, diffused light source. My second umbrella is 30-inch across, and with this, I take off the black cover and face the dome towards the subject with this cover off, and the light from the flash goes through the umbrella then, so it now acts more like a diffuser or a softbox. You may ask why I, I don't just use a softbox then, and that's basically because I, I find umbrellas easy to carry around and, and set up, and they're versatile, especially with these uh, convertible ones. And to be honest, I would have bought a softbox, but this, um, you know, for this, if this kind of work increases, then I'll probably end up buying. Um, some better lighting, some bigger um, studio lights, um, portable still, but uh, studio lights. So I I wanted really something that I can still use later. And the softbox would have basically been for my speed light. And so um, I found that the investment, or I thought the investment was probably going to be a little bit restrictive. 
So as I say, the light source is my Canon speed lights. And to attach these to the tripods, I use two shoe mounted multi clamps, again from Photoflex, if I recall correctly. They fit onto the thread of the tripod that I would usually attach my ball head to. And the pole of the umbrella fits through a hole made for this purpose, and it's clamped into place with a screw thread. Um, I probably should say before I go on that I'm by no means an expert in what I'm about to tell you, but having played around with this setup a bit, um, you know, and this is knowing now that this is what works for me. Uh, I, you know, as usual, take away what you find helpful. But if you have any other ideas, any better ideas, by all means, come along to the forum at the website and share them with the community. So. What I do is I take control of the angle of light coming out of my strobes by setting the, the zoom manual. Um, I set the angle to, to, to 24 millimeters. So uh, on the big, I'm talking about the, with the 60, um, 60 millimeter uh, umbrella at the moment, but I generally here, I set the angle to 24 millimeters so that I get a nice wide spread of light and uh, I set the 16 inch umbrella so that I it's clamped close to the end of the umbrella's pole and this really gives me a nice large diffuse reflected um, light source and it, it helps to fill shadows on my subject and for the uh, 30 inch umbrella I like to sort of concentrate the light a little bit more and so here I have uh, zoomed to 50 millimeters and clamp the pole uh, with the stand, uh, you know, the, the pole of the umbrella about a third of the way from the bottom. And this gives me a uh, more concentrated and directable light source. I attach the compact battery packs uh, with the code number of CP-E4 to each speed light to give them uh, fire, you know, a, a faster firing power and also be able to use them for longer without changing batteries. I wanted to avoid the flash not recharging quickly enough for me, which would have resulted in missed shots. And I attach these to the tripod legs with the straps on the, the cover that comes with the battery packs. And by the way, I, I use tripods simply because I have them. I have not yet found it necessary to buy light stands, but they would obviously be fine if you're out buying this sort of stuff. If you don't, you know, if you're setting yourself up, then by all means go for light stands. There's no other reason uh, that I use tripods other than um, I just have them you know, hanging around. To fire the speed lights, I use the Canon Speedlight Transmitter STE2. To make sure that I have a line of sight to the camera, I actually mount the flashes sideways and then turn the heads 90 degrees um, into the umbrellas. I find though that I can get quite a way forward with the speed lights actually well behind me um, with no real line of sight and yet somehow the, the strobes still fire so it's a reasonable solution. I'd probably use some sort of a radio transmitter like the pocket wizards I'm hearing so much about these days uh, as opposed to infrared if I was uh, out, out buying this kit from scratch now. I control the speed light, the output uh, from the speed lights using the ratio control on the STE2. This allows me to set one strobe to fire brighter than the other. I change the 
um, the ratio slightly uh, throughout the shoot uh, as the ambient, ambient light that came through the window dropped as well. But basically, to enable me to use the small umbrella as the main light and, you know, very directable, and then the large umbrella to fill in the shadows a little bit, um, but not too much, I basically set the ratio so that um, the 30-inch umbrella was four times brighter than the 60-inch umbrella, so a one-to-four ratio. I also, uh, just to make a, a, a point of this, um, you know, how you do this will probably vary um, from strobe, you know, from, from the manufacturers of your strobe and everything. So I'm not going to go into too much detail about that. But you can usually set your strobes to be in groups. You know, you'll set the channel um, first so that you, you know that you're working. If there were multi -pe multiple people using the STE2s, then you'd have to all select a different channel. Um, but then you can also set up the strobes to work in groups and... I set the one to my left to be A and the one to the more, to my right to be B. Um, they're called groups. Don't get confused by that because you can, you know, there's only one strobe in each group. But what that allows me to do is to set, um, you know, the ratio uh, between A and B differently. So it was one to four with the one to my left at one and the one to my right at four. Um, so, you know, it just, it just makes the one to the right much more, much brighter. And to see how this lit the subjects, I've also included a close-up. Um, it's a, a crop um, of a part of one of the pictures that we'll look at today. Um, but then I decreased it down uh, to about 70% of, of full size uh, so that it could be you know, posted in, onto the forum easily. Uh, I had to shrink it down to about 700 pixels wide. But basically in there, you, you, know, you can see the, uh, the white dog's eyes uh, which luckily include visible indications of the brightness of the light sources. There's a link in the show notes to this post, but uh, you can just go to MBP Podcast, uh, the MBP Podcast forum at martinbaileyphotography.com and look at the post. Um, it'll be it'll start with episode 151. So if you find that post, then you'll see the uh, the diagram of the setup and also this close up of the eyes. In the eye to the right in the shot. Uh, you can see the smaller umbrella without the cover being used uh, like a, a softbox. And the main light, uh, you can see there dimmer. Uh, it's a bigger umbrella, but dimmer. And that's in the eye to the left of the shot. Um, that's the 60-inch that's the 60, 60 umbrella at one-fourth the strength of the other. To basically just fill in the shadows and prevent the main light source from getting too harsh. You can also, of course, see the overall effect of the lighting with the right side you know, of the dog's face, uh, as we look at the shot, that is, being much brighter than the left, which is uh, sufficiently lit, but has more shadow than the other side. The lighting setup diagram was created using a Photoshop file that Kevin Kurtz uh, created, and distributed for this purpose so thank you to Kevin Kurtz I've no idea if he listens um, but thank you to Kevin Kurtz uh, for making this available you've made my job a lot easier in preparing for this podcast I should say that um, you know having just looked at the diagrams as well I that I was shooting handheld for the entire shoot um, you know the the reason for this obviously is it just wasn't going to be possible um, sh you know, shooting the way I was going to have to if I had to set up each shot on a tripod. 
Um, we'll get a little bit more, um, you know, into the how I actually did the the shoot um, as we move forward here. But basically, everything was hand handheld, and it was made possible because of the relatively fast shutter speed, thanks to the lighting setup. Let's move on to uh, now to take a look at some more images. There'll be a link to all sixteen of the show of the images in the show notes. I actually made 138 images available to the client uh, using a Lightroom Flash album. And this enabled the client to select the shots that she wanted prints of relatively easily. And these 16 are selected. It's a very small selection to give you an idea of what um, I shot. I created a work list for the shoot and listed all of the shots that I wanted to try to get. Um, based partly on the client's request and also things that I thought would be cool to try. In shot number 1861, we can see one of the types of shots that the client suggested, which was to dress the dogs in Japanese kimono dresses. I provided the client with a number of options for this shot, and they went with the one with the tongue out, which is pretty much as I thought. This was shot at uh, Aperture F8 to ensure both dogs had uh, sharp eyes and also to capture the detail of the dresses. Note that you have, you know, once you have the lighting set up and your camera is set to manual, your strobes will pump out as much light as necessary to light the shot, within reason of course. I should also note that I made sure that the speed lights were in ETTL mode for this. Also, you'll see that the corners of these shots are slightly darker than the main area. This is not a lighting issue or, or you know, lighting just a specific area because these animals moved around a lot and we, you know, we, we never really knew that they'd be in one place. Um, so adjusting the lighting for this sort of thing was not going to be an option. Um, you know, actually, the lighting itself was relatively even across the frame. Um, but I felt that these essentially portrait shots warranted a vignette, so I used Lightroom to add one to all of the images that I put forward to the client. In image number 1863, we see the white dog with a nice red china dress on. This is another prop that the client prepared for the shoot. I like the nice catch lights in the dog's eyes here from the umbrellas, and, and again we can see how natural the lighting looks with... Nice shadow on the left of the dog's face as we, look at, as we look at the shot. This white dog was actually pretty sleepy most of the time, so we had to keep waking her up throughout the shoot. I haven't included any um, shots in this podcast, um, but another trick that I used to get the, the dog to look up was I had my assistant, and read wife, uh, blow air on the dog's with my rubber blower, you know, the ones that you use to blow the dust off the front of your lenses. Not only does the air bother them if you know when it when it comes into contact with the dog, but also the sound of the blower, like a squeaky sort of you know squirty sound, that uh, really got their attention too. And so we we were able to to get the animals to look in certain directions by using this. The only problem with this ploy is that after a while, it gets tough on the forearm to keep squeezing those big blowers, but it worked for what we wanted to do. Of course, for pets, it's important to get the animals to pose, you know, in poses that look cute um, or for what the client can relate to. In image number 1866, we can see a close-up of one of the ferrets rolled on her back and looking up. And 
I can't quite remember, but this might have actually been um, the ferret reacting to the blower too. By the way, I used my uh, new 24 to 70 millimeter f2.8 L lens for most of these shots. As I knew that I was going to be shooting the pets close to the ground, I had the angle finder C attached to the camera for most of the shots too. This allowed me to get very low um, to the ground for a nice low perspective without having to lie on the ground. You know, it basically allowed me to follow these guys around. Um, I had to be quick so that I, you know, I didn't really want to commit myself to one spot, which is basically what I would, would have been doing by lying down full on the ground. I found that I could just sort of sit on the floor, but then kind of hunch over and, um, and look down into the camera through the angle finder. And the body itself was almost between my legs, so it was you know I was able to shuffle around and and move around a certain uh, to a certain degree, um, but also you know like I say get a, a very low uh, perspective so that I wasn't sort of looking down on the animals at all. Again, in the eyes here, you can see one bright and one not so bright light source and a bit of a shadow under the chin uh, because the light source uh, to my right was more focused and physically four times brighter than the one to my left. In shot number 1867, we have a nice cute shot of the two ferrets lying next to each other. The focus is on the front ferret, and the back one is slightly out of the depth of field, but I still think it makes a nice shot. I have another where the front ferret is yawning, showing his fangs, and looking quite menacing, but uh, this one is the cuter of the two, it's more cuddly. One of the other requirements um, for the shoot was to get all, all four pets in the frame at once. In image number 1869, we can see that I achieved this, as well as a few other shots that I, I made. It was actually uh, really difficult, as the ferrets have a very short attention span. As with here, you know, if you feed them, they'll stay for a short while, but then you know, it was hard to get them to look up at the camera, there are a few other shots uh, that I uploaded to this, um, you know, this gallery that capture this better, and some that I provide, provided the client with that do it even better than the ones that I've uploaded. But as photographs, I prefer this one, so I thought I'd share this one with you today instead. One of the other lenses that I used was my 16 to 35 millimeter f 2.82 lens, uh, L lens. I use this uh, because it enables you to get very close to the subject, right up to the dogs, but then it'll emphasize their noses, making them look bigger and cuter. As we can see in image number 1870. You have to be careful not to get too close though. This dog was already very nervous when I was uh, this close to shoot this photo. On my list I actually got a few other shots that were not possible on the day. One was to bring the client's sofa into the set and have the animals sit on the sofa, but uh, it was it was gold and um, scratched by the pets. So, uh, you know, it actually so scratched that it really wouldn't have made a nice prop. So, um, you know, I decided to give that a, a miss. The other thing was that I wanted to try to get the uh, some shots of the dogs maybe looking out of the window or looking at the the you know their owner. Um, but the room was not really going to lend itself to this. Um, so, you know, basically I gave up on these, uh, on these ideas. Having nailed all of the required shots, though, I threw on the 100mm uh, f2.8 macro lens and had a bit of a play around. Uh, one of the resulting images 
is shot number 1871. I got in pretty close, and so even with an aperture of f8 with this lens, the dog is slightly out of the depth of field, but I was looking for something more artistic here. So I was, I was not going to try to extend the depth of field any more than this. The ferret's head popping into the frame at the bottom works okay here. And this is of course what I focused on. And it, it's uh, another shot that the client requested prints of. I was also trying to capture sweet moments like the one that we can see in image number 1873 where the white dog was sort of muzzling up uh, to the lighter coloured ferret. This was towards the end of the shoot, and the light from the window was now very dim, so I'd upped the ISO to 320 so as not to push my speed lights too hard. I had priced the shoot for a three hour session, and I shot some 1600 photos. Um, obviously that's more than I would normally, if these were people and I was shooting at a steadier pace, that's, uh, I wouldn't shoot anywhere near this amount. Um, but you know with with the pets i just had to they were they were all over the place most of the time so i really had to just sort of keep uh, keep shooting uh, in the hope to get some nice shots i actually had to cut it down quite drastically there was a lot of great shots but obviously if i was to produce uh, an album of 1600 shots for the client they'd just um you know run and hide so I cut it down um, to around 8% 8, 8 of the shoot. Um, it was 138, I think it was, shots that I chose to upload for the, to the, for the client to look at. And in the package that I quoted for, I'd promised uh, to provide two full-size digital files um, to the client to have a bag made um, with one of the images on each side of the bag. This is a service that the client had requested and I found a, a, a place here in Japan that uh, did this and it seemed to go down pretty well. The bag was very high quality apparently. Um, it cost the client around $220 so it wasn't that cheap but it's a good quality leather bag. Um, I did the order you know, for her on my laptop and then um, you know, the bag was delivered direct to the client and they paid on delivery so it was very easy for me. I also, um, of course, gave the client the option to buy prints, which I priced the same as the prints on my website, uh, but with the 10% members discount already applied. And then I also offered a 20% discount, um, a further 20% discount for any print um, that the client ordered two of the same size print, not the same print itself, but the same size paper. And this, uh, you know, uh, for, the, for the savvy photographer, you know, the same size thing doesn't really make a lot of difference in the digital darkroom. Um, but, you know, this is really a way to allow the client to choose something and get a discount. And that will probably get them selecting more than one large print, um, which is where most of the money is, of course. I offered to frame the prints with good quality sort of prefabricated, you know, made up prints, um, not prints, sorry, frames. Uh, with the, the mat boards inside. And I was initially going to charge, uh, you know, put a service charge on for doing this, but they actually selected so many prints that I waived this charge. Um, I was going to be bordering on overcharging um, for the whole thing if I'd have added something else, uh, which is, of course, not going to help me to get more custom by word of mouth from people that this uh, client might know. So 
Yeah, as it is though, the client was very happy with the resulting images and the service, um, which of course makes me feel like I've, I've done a good job at a fair price. In addition, it was it was really just a lot of fun. The pets were as sweet as can be, and the dogs were very well trained, uh, which made it a lot easier than it could have been. Um, they were literally like little dolls when the client was dressing with dressing them earlier in the day. The ferrets too were amazing. You could pick them up and sort of mess them around, and you know they didn't uh, seem to care. And they're very very good temperaments, um, and not a hint of them thinking about biting you or anything. As I say, the setup for the lighting really works for me. Uh, there may well be better ways to do this, and although I've spent some time checking the Strobis website. I can't see any indication I'm doing anything wrong. Um, a lot of it kind of came second nature just from the understanding of how strobes work. Um, but I, I, I wanted to check uh, before I really started using this gear that um, I was doing things right. Um, but as usual, didn't really have time to, to spend hours pouring through there. So literally a, a few minutes looking through the Strobis website uh, when I first bought all you know these umbrellas and things really sort of helped me to just to, to, to know that I'm not making any silly mistakes. Um, and, you know, the, after all, the results are what matter, and, and I like the lighting that I'm getting uh, with these uh, umbrellas. So, you know, I'd, I, thought, I thought I'd talk about it today just, just to sort of let you know where I am with this stuff, um, but also um, to see if there's anything here that might help you out as well. Um, you know, I have been requested to, to talk on flash photography a number of times in the past, and I, I probably have more to, to talk about, but until now I've not really been in a position to show you any images other than the uh, the macro work that I do where I sometimes use uh, strobes. But um, you know, I thought this would be a good chance to let you know where I am with this stuff, um, although not perfect, uh, you know, getting good results and happy with the process. Remember the key points to flash photography, um, the basics, I guess, are you know take, taking control of exposure by um, putting your camera in manual mode. Um, that's you know I pretty much use manual mode all the time already, um, but also you know just to really keep keep your, yourself in full control, bang the camera in manual mode and put the strobes into ETTL mode and allow them to pump out as much light as you need to make your shots look right. You can also use the strobes in manual mode, but I only do that when shooting birds with my better beamer, something that uh, I'll, I'll get into at some point uh, in a different episode. Either way, as usual, you want to keep an eye on the histogram and make sure that you're not blowing out your highlights, uh, unless that's what you want to do, of course. If you do start to get any unwanted hotspots, just use the flash exposure compensation. You can do this on the individual strobes or via your camera, which will turn the strength up or down for all of your strobes by the amount dialed in. You can turn them down by a third or two or maybe even a full stop or more if necessary, if you're blowing out some highlights. And of course, you can use the ratio feature on your remote transmitter to make one light uh, one light source brighter than the other. As I say, I had uh, my left strobe set up as group A and the right strobe set up as group B, so I could simply make the ratio 1 to 4 in favour of B, which of course makes it four times brighter than A. This gave me just the right amount of shadow on the left of the subjects, but filled in enough 
uh, to still look nice and natural. Oh yes, and uh, remember that I also set um, the the zooms manually to zoom to a certain um, you know uh, angle. Uh, the strobes uh, 24 millimeter for the big umbrella and 50 for the smaller, and I sort of choked them up with the by you know p selecting a different position to clamp the pole of the umbrellas as well. This allowed me to create a a more concentrated light source uh, with the smaller umbrella and use it more like a softbox. So I hope you enjoyed that and uh, that it was useful to some of you. If you are a real strobist yourself, you'll no doubt have some ideas that you want to share with the community. So please do come along to the forum at martinbaileyphotography.com and enter your comments into the thread that I'll start with the lighting uh, setup diagram and the shot of the crop of the eyes uh, that I mentioned earlier. Remember too that the current assignment uh, with the uh, theme of shadows will run until the end of Sunday the 7th of September 2008 so please do get out there and see what you can make of the assignment uh, or of course you could use a few speed lights to creatively make your own shadows uh, in the comfort of your own home whichever you want to do I can't wait to see what you come up with though as usual and uh, in the meantime you just have a great week whatever you're doing Bye-bye. Photocastnetwork.com Your photography resource in the potosphere. Photocastnetwork.com